Well, our names are Teresa and Gumby. Welcome to Escaping Society. We wrote our own song so we wouldn't have to pay for anyone else's copyright infringement. And we live in a van and we eat from the trash. Making this podcast open for cash. You better listen up because we probably won't last. Because we can't compete with nonsense. Hypnotizing nonsense. This is episode 90, Hot. And uh, we named this episode Hot um, because this is an episode uh, primarily about theft and stealing. We just kind of wanted to open that up as a uh, conversation topic. Um, God, we mentioned we were going to do an episode on this, I think, way back in season one. But it's something we've been wanting to talk about for a while. Um, But as I'm looking at the title of this episode, um, and we're leaning into this podcast today and... uh, the word hot, it seems to have uh, multi-layered depths of meaning for me right now. For one thing, the temperature is uh, getting hot. Um, this is the time of year, like, um, in the next few days, we're going to start our westward journey towards the mountains. And I say towards the mountains, not to the mountains, because uh, we're planning on stopping along the way and doing our next uh, leg of the Mountains of Sea Trail and then coming back to the van and continuing on to the mountains, um, like out for four nights. Ticks are getting bad. We're pulling them off of Sherlock every day, sometimes off of ourselves. Mosquitoes are starting to come in. The nights are getting hot enough where Sherlock pants, which is really hard when you're all three of us in the, in this one van. Um, just Even listen. with the doors and windows open. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, yeah, so we got that, that level of hot. And uh, also, just kind of things heating up. Um, Boy, it seems like a really rough time just in general lately. You know, globally, there's all this stuff going on, of course, um, with the pandemic, etc. Um, but uh, personally, like, we just are going through a lot of stuff right now. And I don't mean between us. I mean, we've gone through harder stuff between us, God knows, fighting and breaking up and all that stuff. Um, 
I feel like things are pretty much uh, settled in, I mean, as much as they ever are for us. But in our lives, in the more extended sense, Jesus Christ, you know, death is just reeling its head. And uh, I always got to put the caveat in there because every time somebody hears death now, you know, in this pandemic, it's like, oh, my God, COVID? Nope, not COVID. Um, And, Therese, I'll let you share anything that you want to or don't want to. You know, you can drop it right there. But let's just say death has uh, come for both of our families a lot lately. And I was thinking of it in a universal sense, like, wow, death is really around a lot. But I've been talking to a couple people and they're like, I don't know anybody who's died. So it's kind of weird that both of our families seem to be going through something, you know, year after year has passed. And like, you know, people get sick, people get well, things go on. And just this year, it's like so many people seem to be running into their final stop sign. You know, there's, they're not going to be around next year. Um, my mom's dog of, uh, God, at least 15 years, you know, he's just gotten old and couldn't move around. And sometimes he'd wake up in the middle of the night and we'd hear him. I, at first I thought it was a donkey. It didn't sound like a dog. Um, just this crying, agonized sound. And, uh, my mom's boyfriend finally had to get rid of him. Uh, we don't know how he doesn't seem to want to talk about it. It's just one day he's not here and he's talking about getting another dog, um, And speaking for myself, man, my mom had a heart attack on November 6th. Well, actually before November 6th. November 6th is my birthday. So last year on November 6th is when I found out about it. Came out here for my birthday. Last year. Last year, yeah. 2020. (laughs) 2020. And she has been in the hospital where I can't visit her because of the goddamn pandemic. Um, Almost steadily since then. She got out for, I don't know, it was like maybe a few weeks. It was a short time and then had a stroke and... uh, her boyfriend found her, you know, collapsed on the bathroom floor, and she's been in the, the hospital or rehab or wherever they're keeping her now. Um, and she's recovered physically somewhat from the stroke, but uh, mentally she's just, uh, yeah, not, not putting two and two together anymore. Not always sure where she's at, what she's doing, what reality is. Uh, her mind has, has slipped a good deal. So she is maybe getting out maybe tomorrow but really soon. So we're sticking around long enough to say hi to her, say goodbye to her, you know, go to the mountains and Jesus Christ, you know, leaving, living this lifestyle, this hobo lifestyle. It's really hard when things like this, I mean, it's hard for anybody, but knowing what to do. Um, yeah. Somebody might say, you know, it's time to just suck it up and quit playing hobo and like get a job and financially support your mother. Um, And after all these years of both her and her boyfriend, I feel like kind of neglecting their lives. Neither one of them clean up. The the house is a filthy mess. There's, we can't even go in to visit, you know, there's not a chair clear. Um, I've learned the hard way that to try to impose my own values, like this place should be clean. I'm going to come in and clean it up. When you don't have consent, it generally doesn't go well. Somebody has to want your help before it it, it feels like help. Mm -hmm. You know, one of the most dangerous things is the uninvited helper. Um, and it's one thing to be philosophical about it, say we're all walking our own path. I got to walk my path and my mom is walking her path, but damn, it's, it's not an easy thing to walk away. You know, when you got a family member that is going through this, she, apparently they're saying she needs 24 seven care now and her boyfriend too fucking stubborn asked for help. And I don't know how we could help him anyway. They'd have to clear out a place for us to be because the whole reason we go to the mountains is it's too damn hot for us to exist down here in the summer without an air conditioner. You know, living in the van the way we do. So, um, 
I don't know how he's going to make it. There's just so much uncertainty. Things have really heated up, so I feel like I'm in hot water. Um, hmm. Yeah, it's a rough time. Is there anything you want to say to that before we uh, meander our way? And we are going to talk about stealing, by the way. This is still an episode about stealing. <laughs> um, I I had some things written down. I guess, uh, I guess I'll go ahead and share them now. So um, just in relation to stealing, but not probably the stealing that you're going to talk about. Um, so time vampires, whether it's Facebook, um, I don't personally, but people that play video and computer games or phone, cell phone games, whatever, um, and people in general, um, I've noticed, and God, I don't want to do this, so I'm going to wrap it up real quick, but I've noticed some podcasts lately, and I'm not saying I'm not guilty. They seem like a big time suck, like people just talking there's some good ones out there but i'll just leave it at that (laughs) yeah and we are definitely in that category sometimes that's another thing that i wonder about is us doing the podcast um there are some good ones out there too that we try to give credit to but you know for each one of us that thinks we need our voice to be heard and for each one of you that listens to a podcast it's at the expense of another podcast what if more of us knew when to shut the fuck up and just let the people who had the most to say talk I wonder if more people would listen to them. It's a, there's a time when I start to wonder if all of us talking and sharing our own personal experiences becomes flack, becomes white noise. You're leaning in, Teresa. You got something to add? Or just silence, just listening to the trees rustle in the breeze. That's what I mean. Yeah. Uh, yeah, a big part of that is like less of us talking and more of us listening. Maybe there are a few of us that have something real to say, but it seems like... Everybody thinks they've got something to say, including ourselves. And, you know, sometimes when I'm listening back through other people's podcasts and through our podcast, it's like, wow, that hour would have been better spent bird watching. <laughs> um, but with that said, let's uh, add, add more to the white noise. <laughs> so um, let me start to pick your brain to begin with, Teresa. So um, I'd like to talk about, you know, one of the things I wanted to, get to talk about with stealing um, is pros and cons of it. You know, we want to approach it fresh. Depending on how you were raised and everything, most people hearing this, theft and stealing has a bad connotation. You think it's not something you'd do, it's something that gets done to you and you want protection from. Um, Maybe a smaller might, well, I don't know, the people listening to this podcast, it actually might be the majority on the other end, which uh, sees it as a more positive connotation. We need to take back more shit. We live in a culture of thieves that have stolen on a global scale, and if only we could organize and have the guts to do it, maybe we could steal some of it back or undermine these these entities. But uh, what are some of your thoughts on that, Teresa? And also, um, if you want to go into any of your personal experiences start, to start us off, your your personal relationship <laughs> with stealing, be it being stolen from or actually stealing yourself. Okay. I would say... That the way our society is set up, all of these businesses, thinking about the big box stores, whether it's Walmart or Best Buy or Home Depot, they are not the people that live nearby. Yeah, your neighbors work there, I'm sure. And you could argue that, you know, their salaries depend on people paying for all the merchandise and, you know, not trying to get one over. But these corporations, these big 
industries, they don't care about you and they don't care about their employees either. If they did, I don't think there would be a whole lot of stealing. They'd be like, hey, you need something? Come and get it. You know, if you if you find in your heart that you want to pay for it later, okay. But we're fine, meaning the big box stores or whatever. They're just so greedy. And I've worked for a number of those types of companies and I've actually, you know, been trained probably hundreds of hours on how to spot people, whether they're putting something in their pocket or they're returning something that uh, that they did not buy from the store. We used to call it brick in a box. You look like you want to say something. Well, something occurs to me when you say that. First thing when I hear you say that, it's like I'm thinking of a corporation just saying, hey, you know, pay us later or whatever. And I'm thinking, could that work? <laughs> and my first thought is absolutely not. People would drain them dry. The corporation would collapse. It would be a I would expect that to be a completely failed experiment. And so my next question to myself when you say that is why? And uh, one of the things I think about is we are – this is well known. This is not just me going out on a limb here. This is Edward Bernays. This is marketing. This is public relations. We are encouraged to feel impoverished. We are encouraged to feel a lack because that makes us better consumers. That's part of marketing technique. Convince the person that they're missing something. And that lack will turn that person into a consumer where they will will make the money and trade the money to get the product that you're selling, which very often is something they never needed before. That's why we are so convinced we have a lack that if a corporation, I think, opened the doors, that that hole that they've helped put in us, that we don't have enough, I think we'd suck them dry. I don't think that would work. Yeah, I mean, I'm not even saying that it would, but I was just kind of making the comparison of if it was your neighbor, yeah, there might be some, like a little bit of theft, maybe kids stealing candy from the local store or whatever, but I don't know if there would be so much. It's just, everything is so impersonal. Everything is so big. And going into the stores this past year, more than I've done, uh, previous years with you, Gumby, like being in this relationship with you, I've noticed Oh. <laughs> the, I've noticed in the stores the prices going up, 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 and up. They never go down. And my mom actually clued me into this last year during the pandemic. She said, oh, my God, the price of everything is going up. And in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, and yeah, I bet that people are going to start stealing or they're going to be more people that are dumpster diving or going to food pantries because... You just can't afford that. And do you think cows are getting paid more for their meat? I seriously doubt it. <laughs> do you think... How would you pay a cow Well, that, that's what I mean. <laughs> I'm saying, where's this money going? It's just lining people's pockets that are already rich. And I guess I'll use that to go into a brief history, I just spit, of my uh, experiences. Gumby reminded me the other day that I told him about this story when I was maybe like seven years old, I went into a grocery store. Uh, I'd walk up the street with my mom to this grocery store. And for some reason, I became enchanted with these foil packets of trading cards for, of all things, a cartoon show called Darkwing Duck. <laughs> I am the terror that flaps in the night. I used to watch all those spinoffs of uh, Scrooge. Yeah. Ebenezer Scrooge Duck. Tales. Duck Tales. Yeah. And, um, and I don't even think I opened these trading cards at all. 
I would put them in my jacket, which I think might have had an interior pocket, which kind of lends itself <laughs> to stealing. <laughs> and I would go home and I'd put them in the bottom of my closet and I just like keep them in a pile there. And I don't know, I, I'm not a klepto at all now. I just, for some reason, like those foil packets were just really exciting to put in my pocket and not pay for. Mm-hmm. And my other, um, well, main experience of actual out and out stealing, and I'll, I can talk more about other things later, um, was when I was working at a grocery store and this girl that went to high school with me, she worked there too. And she said, Hey, you want to take a break with me? And I was like, okay, I didn't really know her that well. I just knew that she went to my high school and she said, um, I'm going to get a snack. Do you want anything? And I said, uh, well, I don't really, I don't have a lot of money. She's like, oh, you don't need money. You just take it. (laughs) And I was like, you're going to take from the place where you work? And she's like, yeah, I do it all the time. So I took, I think, uh, some sort of candy bar and a drink and we just walked right outside. And, uh, it didn't make me feel good, um, probably because of just the way I was raised and the fact that my dad actually worked in loss prevention for that same grocery store chain. Um, so I didn't want to get him in trouble or for me to lose my job, but I must say it was super fucking easy. And, uh, I'll, yeah, I'll talk more about that later, but those were like the two main times that I stole something, um, in my past. A lot of times I will try to get, uh, maybe a better deal on stuff. I mean, a little more sneaky, but I end up paying for it, mm-hmm. like paying money for it. Yeah, my history was stealing. I grew up like, uh, I don't even remember the first time I heard the bank robbing story, but my dad, um, my mom would tell me way more than I should have known about my parents at a very young age. Mm. Um, I guess she just felt like she didn't have anybody else to confide in. Um, and my dad had robbed several stores, gotten caught for some of them, gotten away with robbing a bank. So I kind of grew up with, like, a certain uh, philosophy on stealing, I guess you'd say. When I was a little kid and we still lived in Greensboro, North Carolina, my mom showed me how to uh, break into a newspaper machine. And um, I guess she just kind of wanted to, like, show me that she knew something like that. And uh, I thought it was so cool. And sometimes I'd just, like, show off to my friends, like, hey, you want a newspaper? Of course, what fucking eight-year-old really wants a newspaper? <laughs> but it was the same thing, like, well, I can get the, a newspaper. Like, ooh. <laughs> you know, so that was the first time I remember stealing. And then we moved out in the country, and we moved to an all-black neighborhood. And uh, we were the poorest people in that neighborhood. Um, I hate it when I start hearing middle-class white people talk about white privilege um, they don't know shit, and they don't know shit about being poor. Um, there was no privilege. There was no white card for me. Um, I had a lot of black people. We had black families around us that would help us out sometimes because it was obvious we were the poorest people. But I'll tell you something that was in the black culture that I grew up in was stealing. All the kids did it, and uh, pretty soon I started doing it too. <laughs> I started doing it more than they did for a while, actually. Um, And I remember we'd steal from kids we didn't know that well. We'd go over to visit some kid that usually had more money than us. And uh, then we'd get out and we'd be like, oh, what'd you get? And like I'd pull out a G.I. Joe from my pocket and, uh, you know, my friend would pull out something else. And, you know, we'd kind of like we didn't steal from each other. But any other kid that wasn't in our little little circle was a target. And um, 
my philosophy changed pretty pretty soon on that. And it didn't. It wasn't just black kids. Uh, more and more, um, some of my white friends, as I was getting older, um, we'd steal a lot too. So I got my bike stolen. I started having things stolen from me and realized, like, oh, this fucking sucks. <laughs> You know, and then I started realizing, man, it is not right to just steal from another person. Like that, uh, it's just not a good thing. You know, that that growing up, that that extension of empathy. Um, one of my friends and I found a church door unlocked one time, and we were like, "Wow, nobody's here. Let's open the door and go in." You know, you ever been in a church, like just had it free to wander by yourself? And went in there, and holy shit, the collection plate was sitting right there full of money. Oh, my God. <laughs> so we took a handful of it and uh, went to the local convenience store and just played all the video games we could stand. I remember Double Dragon was one of our favorites. And I uh, got a bunch of junk food. We got those little banana twins and Twinkies and crap like that. And, man, had a ball that day. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I don't think God was pleased with that. <laughs> <laughs> that might have been the day I got cursed. Um, but stuff like that, you know, growing up, getting older, um, I would steal bubble gum and some of my friends would steal like chewing tobacco from the grocery store. And we got into this racket around middle school, going into high school where we'd sell it. And we started wearing trench coats. Um, trench coats got a really bad rap during the, uh, the Colorado shooting, the Columbine shooting, you know, there was the trench coat gang for us. It wasn't about hiding guns or, or being shooters. It was about being able to steal. We considered that to be like a high art. Um, At that point, I wasn't stealing from people, but I really took great pride in being able to steal from stores. And I was developing techniques. To me, when I remember back what that felt like, I thought I was developing survival skills. I thought the more I could steal, the more I could go anywhere. The more I never had to be hungry, never had to be any poorer than I chose to be. Um, it just felt like more than shelter, water, fire, food, which I didn't know anything about back then, it was a survival skill. Um, and so we'd steal stuff like that. Um, my mom caught me stealing one time. I came out of the grocery store and I think I hadn't thought about what I was doing. So I was chewing some gum that I shouldn't have had or something, (laughs) some big tell. And, uh, she made me share it with her. That was my, (laughs) my punishment, you know? And let me tell you, growing up poor, I don't, I, I am not going to try to speak for poor black people, but I'll, I'll, I'll speak for some of the poor white people being one of them. Um, stealing has a different connotation. Um, sometimes you do what you got to do. And I feel like that's probably true in a lot of households um, where it's just not the same. When you're rich, when you've gotten all your money from like working for corporations that swindle other people, that find ways to like get people lost in paperwork, that find ways to steal shit from other people that's legal because who makes the laws? It's these same bastards. So, of course, they legalize their own unique form of stealing. Hmm. Then, you know, you teach your kids you never steal. Why the fuck would you? You don't need to. Poor people, I feel like they kind of get soft on that. You know, it's like, yeah, there have been times that it was like, here's this person trying to sell all this bread and they got a fat belly and I can feel my ribs. I'm taking a loaf of bread. So that's that's part of how I got raised. And when we got te- to be teenagers and I dropped out of high school, we started stealing bicycles. We stole so many fucking bicycles from the neighborhood. And we thought we were so clever because we'd get these bicycles and we had red spray, spray paint and we painted every single one of them red. <laughs> so, like, we'd just know when one of the other of us was, like, at somebody's house because there'd be a red bicycle there. And uh, the cops were totally on to us. They just couldn't catch us red-handed, so to speak. 
Um, but we'd be riding down the road, and I remember the sheriff, this uh, pretty cool black guy. He was the sheriff of uh, the, the small country town we were in. His name was Braswell. And he'd stop, and he would always make a point of stopping and talking to us and asking us about the bicycles. I guess he was just hoping we'd slip up and say something really stupid, but we were just like, no, our bike. Uh, yeah, just, just like the color red. And <laughs> managed to skirt past that and somehow not get caught. And again, you know, I came around to just feeling like, yeah, it's not the right thing, because I got, had gotten back into through my friends stealing from people again. Um, I learned a lot about stealing from corporations, especially Walmart. Before they had these people that would check your receipts, um, this is where I learned the most valuable tool in a thief's arsenal is confidence. And there's a lot of different ways to steal. There's the breaking and entering, sneaking into a person's house where confidence isn't really a thing because you're not like, hopefully, you're not running into another person. But the stealing from a corporation, walking in there, people expect a thief to be slinking around with their tail between their legs. I wanted to push and see how far I could get away with it. So I had the money to pay for it in case I got caught. Um, it was more of an experiment when I was younger. And I had an excuse. One thing I've learned is if you've got an excuse, even if it's a lousy one, uh, an excuse can get you out of a lot of shit. One thing you don't want to be caught with is no story. You don't want to be looking for words. you got to have some kind of story. So my story was always going to be, Oh, shit. I can't believe... Yeah, uh, I'm sorry. I'm going to go back and, and pay for it. I'm so absent-minded. I had a lot on my mind. So I walked out the Walmart uh, doors with a brand new bicycle and a California Framer hammer because I was doing carpentry work at the time. Just walked right out like I own the place. And uh, that blew me away. <laughs> I was astounded that I could do that. Um, I feel like I, I kind of credit myself to the reason why there are people that check receipts now at, at Walmart. Um, <laughs> And another form of stealing that I really engaged in a lot was what we called the buffet bandit. Um, my friends and I would like go, and I'd have this little like gimmick where I'd we'd go and we'd eat um, at some buffet, an all-you-can-eat buffet, and then I would take the responsibility of the the actual stealing. So what I tell who whoever was with me is try to get a to-go box because any kind of prop can help distract. I'd figured that out on my own early on. I don't even know, remember how I figured that out. But, uh, yeah, so they'd walk out with the to-go box, and if they got stopped, they'd say, well, he's going to pay for it when he comes out, and they'd probably have them wait, and when I came out, I'd have the money I'd pay for it. We're busted. We pay for it. Okay. Wow. But they never got stopped, never once. Then I'd come out of the bathroom, and my little flimsy story was going to be when I started to walk out if they caught me, I thought they paid for it. That lousy mother... They were supposed to pay for it. Well, all right. I'll pay for it this time. <laughs> if you got caught. But that would keep... If I got caught. But that would keep us both out of jail, and we'd learn. Never got caught. Um, the only time I ever got caught, once in the whole, like, I don't know how many years I did that, and my mom would do it with me sometimes, too, um, was going to Red Lobster. And I took about three other people. We had a great big dinner. Um, I tried pulling that off, and uh. this waiter came running out to the parking lot as we were leaving and jumped in front of the car. And oh my God. the girl that was driving freaked out and said, what do I do? What do I do? And she pushed on the gas, and I said, <laughs> stop! She was so freaked out, I thought she was going to run down the waiter like, it's not worth it for a fucking Red Lobster <laughs> dinner. I'll pay, I'll pay. Don't have manslaughter or second-degree murder. Whatever. Yeah, we didn't want to up the ante to murder. <laughs> So that's the only time I ever got caught. But I eventually stopped doing that. Um, 
and yeah, I'm going to talk about how my philosophy changed with stealing. But jump in there, Teresa, if there's anything you... You, you reminded me, I looked up some stuff about stealing, and it turns out that one out of 11 Americans are shoplifters. So we know you're out there. I wonder and, what that means, that they've ever shoplifted once or that they do it regularly. Well, that that was one of the statistics, too. I don't remember uh, all of the statistics, but I think one of them was like, of those people, 10% are considered professional shoplifters, whether they're in some sort of a, um organized crime ring or they just, like, are con men or women or persons. And... One quarter of shoplifters are actually children. And one more, one more. Um, people, no, please go on. I've been doing a lot of talking. Well, I was going to just say, uh, people are caught once out of every 48 times on average. So if you were to steal, <laughs> I guess according to the statistic, if you were to steal like... 48 times you would be caught once and yeah that sounds about right based on my own experience and 50% of the time people aren't even arrested and I will um I'll also say like I mentioned my dad used to work for a grocery store chain as a loss prevention specialist and when you said the guy ran out of Red Lobster restaurant mm-hmm. and like jumped on the car my dad had trained people for decades on how to handle theft and one of the top things is If you see someone stealing something, a lot of the times this would be something that people would do. They'd fill up a grocery cart full of whatever. Oftentimes it would be expensive things. Hold on, I got a cough. (coughs) Full of um, like pregnancy tests or uh, those electronic toothbrushes or or other things like that, beer. Um, They would fill up a a grocery cart and put it, (coughs) excuse me, kind of near the entrance to the store. (coughs) I keep getting pollen. Here, I'll let you work that out because yeah. uh, I'll share something that I just thought of. Um, I had a friend that went to uh, Phoenix, Arizona and lived there for a while. And his story, and he was one of these uh, teller of tall tales, so uh, I don't know how much of this is true. Um, he joined this group of guys that was addicted to crystal meth, and they would fund their habit by stealing. Oh, yeah. And they'd break into all kinds of stuff. And, uh, you know, according to him, he was like the best of the thieves, and they called him Robin Hood. And, you know, all of his stories, he just shines as like the hero. So there you go with that. But he said one of the things he learned, and this makes a lot of sense, so I believe this part, is if you're going to steal stuff, grab a pack of diapers. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's That's the one. sympathy card. Yeah, because you get caught, you're trying to feed your fucking kid, you're really sorry, you're apologetic, if you can cry, let them tears go, um, but those diapers, you know, props, a well-used prop is, uh, you know, I think we, we've been learning so much about the uh, CIA and Edward Bernays and the way that uh, the government has tried to control our minds and the minds of other people around the world, PSYOPs. Mm-hmm. So it's sort of like using some of these techniques, these PSYOPs techni- techniques, against the corporations. Right. And if you feel like, oh, that's so dishonest, think about how the fuck these corporations sell you toothpaste <laughs> and sell you acne cream. Yeah. I mean, all these, like, you walk into a store. Think about what it means to your mind on a subliminal level to see these pictures of these models that look fantastic in this little... Uh, what do you call that? Lingerie, you know, like how they're selling this crap. 
that's another thing that I, I think of with the stealing is, for me, I don't steal much anymore. You know, if I steal, it's on a rare occasion. And I'll talk more about why I don't. But it's not for an ethical thing where I started feeling bad for the corporations. I am more aware than I ever was that they are fucking thieves. And they use all this stuff. Sleight of hand, psyops, um, making you feel like shit so you feel like you need their products. Um, I have no no uh, feelings of guilt about taking from these people. But looks like you worked out that cough, so okay, I'll let you continue I'm, your story. I'm back, and I have a cough drop, so hopefully I won't cough anymore. Um, yeah, my so these people in the organized crime rings, they you know they would take things, even diapers, because you can sell diapers um, a little bit cheaper, and it's 100% profit. So they would have these people go in, and there would be like a, a woman that would often push the grocery cart out of the store, but somewhere in the store there would be like a lookout, and it would often be like a... a a guy that could enforce, that could like make the woman do that or get involved if she stopped. And going back to my dad, he had told everybody for decades, like, do not follow a shoplifter out of the store. If you see somebody stealing, you can stand at the door and say, excuse me, you can, you know, tell your manager, but don't get involved. Well, my dad forgot that one time Mm -hmm. and he went after this woman and he got his ass beat down, broke the guy broke my dad's fucking leg in the parking lot, got his ass beat because he was trying to save a company money, which I mentioned in previous episodes. My dad's dead now, but, you know, giving him a uh, like 30 something year, you know, career retirement party. And they couldn't even be bothered with like buying a cake or, or having soft drinks or something. They're just like, yeah, well, you're leaving. So bye. Yeah. Nobody's really against theft unless you're like <laughs> you're like Jesus, you know, like traveling out there and not working for anybody. The people that talk the, the loudest against theft are for corporate theft mm-hmm. and against the poor people that might actually, um, I don't know, be in a more compromised position, shall we say, that engage in it. They're only against one kind of theft. Um you're talking about the 100% profit. I mentioned like wearing the trench coats and uh, stealing gum, and I forgot to finish that story. What we'd do is we'd sell it at school, and I'd sell like <laughs> a pack of like bubble yum or hubba bubba for 25 cents a piece, a dollar a pack. So if you bought five pieces, you'd get that you know quarter discount. And uh, yeah, I had I was like a drug dealer. You know, people I had my steady customers that would want it every day, <laughs> and never having had a job before, you know, if I made like 10 bucks that day, that was huge. You know, I'd just stock up on that, and it was 100% profit. So um, a couple other people saw me doing that, and these are the people that started stealing other things, like they branched out into chewing tobacco, which for teenagers was like, whoa, you're a source of chewing tobacco, especially out in the country. Hell yeah, you know. So they were cleaning up too. Um, God, you said something. Oh, when you were talking about stealing these cards, the Darkwing Duck cards (laughs) for us. And, you know, I think about what I've learned about like indigenous tribes, how they'd steal from each other. It was unheard of to steal from the people in your tribe. There was no private property. There was no rich people. There was no class hierarchy for the most part. There's always exceptions, but for the most part, this was much more generally true than we find in our culture where the, uh, class hierarchy, all these things I mentioned, is uniform. Um, It's everywhere. So 
there'd be no reason to steal from somebody. For one thing, they'd know damn well who did it. <laughs> you know, you, you guys see each other all the time. For another thing, everybody is encouraged to be generous. That's the highest trait. The person that gives the most is the person that people like the most. That's the guy that everybody likes. And of course, in your community, you want to be well-liked. Nobody wants to be the asshole around the people that see them every day, that are your friends that you want to like, that you depend on. Um, and the one thing to that would be the, the most frowned upon was to be selfish and greedy, which would be the, the reason to steal from people at the same level you are. Well, yeah, and that person that's the most giving and the most kind with their possessions, with whatever they have, they're not going to stay that way for long because they're going to give it away. And then maybe it's somebody else. So it's it's never just selfishness or, you know, oh, you're the best hunter. It's like, hey, you know, here's some stuff. Everybody get some and then I'm out. And then somebody else has something and then... Everybody takes some of that, and then they're out. Yeah, and there was all these, like, parts, uh, traditions in their tribe, like gambling, you know, that would allow them to give things away in a way that was really fun. And, um, yeah, but they weren't against theft. It was just a different way of looking at their own community. They would routinely go on raiding parties to steal things from other tribes, and uh, presumably the settlers, too. When the settlers started encroaching on their territory, um, one of the things the settlers who – keep in mind, the settlers are our culture. You hearing this, us saying this, this is our culture. This is our lineage, these settlers. And as we know, we are fiercely property-oriented, fiercely Think about the way you feel when somebody steals from you. Think about how many people you see regularly that have less than you. And tell me if you feel inclined to give them half of your stuff until they're at the same level you are. It's it's taboo. It's, it's crazy in our culture. It's not the way we're raised. It's not the way we're wired at this point. So these are the same settlers that are thinking like that. So these Indians would show up and steal from them. Now, for another tribe, they're kind of working on the same thing. Like they have basically the same philosophy. We don't steal from each other in our tribe, but uh, if we want to show our courage and test our strength and our abilities, yeah, let's go steal from ho- some horses from the other tribe. Think about how that hit the settlers, though. That's not what we do. We sit down, we have a little treaty, and then we rob everything from you. We <laughs> annihilate you. That's the proper civilized way to do something. We certainly aren't going to go and have a raiding party just to steal some horses. What kind of savages engage in something like that? <laughs> so it's interesting to me to think about you know, the, the older cultures in the human experience and how theft was not taboo. It just didn't make sense to steal from people in your own family, your extended family. But to steal from others, yeah. And I also think about Darwinism, evolution, natural law. Another way of looking at this is like theft is part of how survival, how life happens on this planet. Um, You can ask permission, and I think it's good policy to ask permission when you pick a plant. But ultimately, why you're asking permission and why you're apologizing to appease the spirit of the plant is because you know you've taken something. Mm -hmm. You're trying to soften that as much as possible, but ultimately, you're stealing energy. The plant has taken the sun's energy and is using it, and you are taking it from the plant. When you eat an animal, same thing. You're taking that animal's life. This is a form of stealing. So to create a culture where we just pretend like thou shalt not steal, as in the Abrahamic Christian tradition, which is fiercely property-oriented all the way back to Moses and Abraham, um, including women and slaves who are considered property in the Old Testament, um, you know, stealing to, to act like stealing is just a sin, that's only geared towards the poor people. That's to keep the poor people in check and to say, this is your station in life, suck it. 
Yeah, I had written down um, other ways that people have stolen things, whether it's our heritage, our roots. In other words, you know, I don't know where I came from, what my people did hundreds and, you know, thousands of years ago. Our land, like the commons, that was stolen away from all of us. And also, just I'll say this quickly, but I might um, come back to it with more detail later. The thieving and stealing of our money by banks and in taxes, as well as other uh, legal processes that can take your property without you even committing a crime. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're equivalent to the Darkwing Duck cards. I was I had forgotten for a minute why I brought up all that stuff about indigenous tribes and stealing being kind of a form of testing yourself. I think that's what the cards were about. I can't speak for you, but for us, it was garbage pail kids' cards. They'd come like baseball cards, and I think they might even can't come with a piece of gum in them. But we would take those those stickers. They were garbage pail cards, and you'd peel off like the little sticker, and you'd put them on your lunchbox, whatever. And man, like whoever had the most garbage pail kid cards in our neighborhood, it was assumed you stole that shit. And it was a mark of bravery. It was like tears, tear tattoos on your yeah they were they were total coup points that's not what we called them but they were showing that you had the guts to go in there and fucking slip one into your pocket and steal and i remember those little like members only jackets with the inside pocket and yeah it always felt like man these are made for stealing but actually the more i stole the more i realized that was just an image thing like if you think about what it takes to slip something into an inside pocket versus like your pants pocket, it's a lot more obvious. That is true. But yeah, I remember having the same impression like, Ooh, inside pocket. I'm a master thief. Um, one of the other times I wanted to push my stealing abilities, my theft abilities, I walked into one of those little novelty stores at the beach that has all that crap, you know, like hippie-looking jewelry and everything. <laughs> and I went walking in, and I put on a Rastafarian big old colorful hat. I put on necklaces with big colorful mushrooms. I slipped rings onto my finger. And at this point, I had figured out the confidence thing, and I wanted to see how far can I go with this? So, again, my little story in the back of my head was, you know, again, it's a sucky story, but, oh, man, we've been partying all week. I am so high. I'm sorry. Let me pay for that. You know, they don't need to believe me. I whip out the money. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm free. But <clears throat> I wanted to test it. So I walk up to the counter and I say, um, excuse me, do you know where there's a good Italian restaurant around here? <laughs> And they give me directions, and, you know, nobody expects a thief to walk up to the cashier and ask something like that. So that's so much, um, what would I say? Damn, I can't think of the word, but rattled the person, I'll go with that for now, that I walked right out. (laughs) Yeah, like um, deflected the attention away from your ridiculous look because you had all this stuff from the store that you had put on. And they had to think. They had to go back into their customer service mindset and be like, where is a good place to eat? Yeah. A couple other things we stole was siphoning gas. We were doing that for a while. We were kind of, I think this kind of led up to me living in my car for a while. But we just sort of, a lot of us had broken homes, homes we didn't want to go to. Parents had decided, like, we're we're sick of your shit. Get out of here. Don't come back. Um, We were still young enough to not know really how to live in the world. So, we were a pretty feral group of uh, older teenagers for a while. And I remember one of the ways that we'd survive is like going up to boat yards where there'd be uh, 
places like people would leave their cars unattended and we get our little hose and everything and we learn to siphon gas to keep gas in the car. Um, Yahooing beer was another thing. This was another one of those coup points to show your bravery. Yahooing beer, you go into a store, like a convenience store, a gas station, you grab a bunch of beer as much as you can carry, you walk up to the counter like you're going to pay for it, and then you yell at the top of your lungs, Yahoo! And you run out with that beer and jump in the car and get out of there. We used to drive offs with uh, gas pumps, too. Um, I actually got my mom in trouble doing that one time by accident because she happened to be pumping gas into her car. She was living in it at the time on the other side of the gas pumps. So we're just talking to her like, hey, you know, my friends are like, hey, Nancy. And, you know, we're shooting the shit and like, all right, we'll see you later. And we didn't pay for the gas, hung it up and got out of there. And they ended up calling the cops on her. Oh, no. And I still don't, I mean, she didn't get arrested or anything, but they gave her a really hard time for knowing us. <laughs> yeah, we, we felt pretty bad about that. We did not expect that to happen. Um, and let's see. I guess one more thing I'll talk about is when I had my hernia surgery. I was homeless at the time, living in an abandoned house, and I had this little ramp I'd have to climb up, and then I got a hernia and had surgery, and I couldn't climb up that ramp. And so a friend's grandma let me stay at their house for a while, and we went to the mall one day, and uh, I could barely walk right after surgery, so I was in a wheelchair and uh, had my coat in my lap, and I realized right away, whoa, what potential. And man, I stole all <laughs> kinds of shit. Because let me tell you, somebody's got to be 150% sure you're a thief before they're going to jack up somebody in a wheelchair. So uh, I've since learned through through reading up on theft that uh, this is an old like thing, you know, to have a purse or to have a grocery bag or a baby stroller, something like that, you know, some kind of prop, some kind of prop. Props are, when they're well used, are really handy things. Um, I was doing pretty good until, you know, we got into this really super anarchist phase when I was a kid and I found these, uh, this big warehouse that had a, a panel broken out of the door. And so I went and told my friends and we had, at this point, just thought we were bulletproof. We were living in this all black neighborhood that was really high crime. Crackheads everywhere. If you drove into the neighborhood, you know, somebody would be like, Woo! Woo! What you want? Whoa! Hey! What, what you want? I got what you want! Trying to sell you crack. Any time of day. It was, it was called Twin Circle and it was like the roughest neighborhood in town. Um, and we were the only white people there. <laughs> and being young, dumb, and full of cum, we were just looking for trouble. Oh so these crackheads would come. And I remember one time we were playing Rage Against the Machine. And uh, this, like, really, like, thug life motherfucker comes up. And he said, hey, man, why don't you turn down that fucking music? And, uh, you know, at first, like, we just turned it down. And we looked at each other and like, what the fuck are we doing? Mm-hmm. And turned the speakers out from the window turned it up louder than it was before and found that song fuck you i won't do what you tell me and for long we'd pissed off the whole neighborhood so they were shooting out our windows and shit we had that happen (laughs) a couple times um one of my friends that i'd mentioned actually in our very first episode we called him chicken wing because he had a broken uh arm guy was trying to sell him crack and uh he said fuck it you know i'll take some crack and the guy brought him some fake shit and I uh, just thought, like, a, you know, scared little white boy, he's going to take it and fuck him. But this guy jumped out of the car with a hammer and chased that guy right through the oh trailer park. God. So we were getting quite a reputation. These people did not want us there. Um, <laughs> we were a different kind of trouble. They were trouble, but we were a trouble that wasn't fitting in with their trouble. 
But we thought we were bulletproof. We were taking on the whole neighborhood. So we found this little warehouse and went in there, and there was tools everywhere. And we took those tools, and we carried them right through the middle of the streets of the neighborhood on our shoulders, took them into the trailer, which happened to be the trailer I was living at at the time. Of course, cops get called. I'm barefoot. I leave barefoot tracks all over this warehouse. Um, And we get arrested. I'm finally caught. First time I ever spent time in jail. And it was for possession of stolen goods, larceny of stolen goods. Uh, I forget what other charges. They found some bongs in the house. Um, But yeah, it was scary. First time I was put in jail. And we all had shaved heads. We weren't Nazis exactly, but I think the shaved heads were just kind (laughs) of, I don't know, meant to just piss people off. We, we didn't have any kind of, like, racist philosophy, but it was more like, fuck you to whoever was, like, standing in our way. And at that time, time it was the crackheads in this black neighborhood. <laughs> um, and out there in the country, you know, it's just, I don't know, it was almost like a growing thing. Black people and white people went through it. There was a time when, like, it's not that you had anything personal against somebody else. It's that black people and white people in this neighborhood weren't supposed to like each other. And then when you got older, it's like that shit kind of wears off and you got friends, you got like business associates, so to speak, you know, that shit just kind of ebbs and ebbs down. But growing up in the eighties out in the country, I don't know, that's something that I feel like a lot of my friends went through. Um, and so they stuck us in an all black cell, you know, my three friends and the jail was definitely segregated. They'd put White people in one side, black people in the other side, but they stuck us in the all-black cell. And uh, the black people were stealing our food, you know, like, you know, they just demand our lunch. And we'd never been to jail before, so we gave it away. And um, we were just waiting for our, us to get our asses beat. And one guy, you know, he's kind of like the, the alpha guy, said, you know, if you're going to be in our cell, you're going to have to be a nigger. We're all niggers. There ain't nothing but niggers in here. So this is, I'm going to make you an honorary nigger. Oh, my God. <laughs> And so sometimes still when I get into like arguments with liberals, you know, about white privilege, I'm like, well, I identify as a nigger. I got named one. Honestly, I don't know where the fuck you're coming from, but uh, that's real. So that happened and that kind of started me questioning stealing more. Um, And then I got into Buddhism and that was sort of like the bad karma of stealing. It was like, what kind of world am I creating where you have to worry about shit being taken You know, I started thinking, like, what about the vibes, the energy I'm putting into the world by stealing? And I started questioning that more. But what eventually finally got me away, well, a couple things. Um, One of the last things that I was ever involved in was the theft of a four-wheeler. And this four-wheeler got stolen. And uh, I'm going to try to be vague on these details here. But a very rich guy was getting his house built and moved the four-wheeler in before he even had doors on the garage. I told a couple of my friends, and the four-wheeler got stolen. We took off to California on a big road trip, um, and apparently they uh, polygraphed everybody on the job site. I was the only one who would not take the polygraph test. They'd bring me in like once a week, these detectives, and I swear to God, it was like a David Lynch movie. One detective had a lisp, one detective had a stutter. (laughs) And they told me that I was about to go down for Grand Theft Auto. Now, that was a sobering thing to hear. They told me I needed to take a polygraph test. I'm a quick learner. I made all the worst mistakes when they caught me for the tools. They told me if I was honest, my friends had already told on me, if I was honest, they'd go easy on all of us. So I decided to come clean. They put everything against us. They, it did not help us at all. I wasn't going to make that mistake again. So when the cops brought me in for questioning, I didn't say shit. 
I didn't take the polygraph test. They said, well, that's pretty obvious you're guilty, or why wouldn't you take the polygraph test? I said, because I know a thing or two about polygraph tests. I know you can fail them, and if I fail them, I'm, incri I'm in incriminating myself. Mm -hmm. So I'm not going to incriminate myself. I'd rather you guys suspect me than to uh, have this faulty test to use against me in court. So they were getting really frustrated. They couldn't rattle me anymore. And they didn't have enough evidence to push it. And I knew I'd already be in jail if they had the evidence. So they couldn't scare me the way they used to. Um, but that woke me up. That was like, Jesus Christ, what the fuck? Am I about to, am I risking going to jail for years and years for some bullshit like that I'm not even really interested in? And then my philosophy started changing about the most powerful thing is not to be able to take things from people. It's not to need it in the first fucking mm. place. That's when I started getting into scavenging and the primitive skills because what I really wanted is freedom. The thing that had me stealing from other people is how fucked up and crazy the society is. I didn't want any part of it. And, and for me, theft was kind of a way of going to war with it. If you're such a rich bastard, you've got that more, much more than your neighbors and you, you know— Want to convince yourself you earned it? I, I had figured out at that point how people earn stuff. Hmm. What a car salesman has to tell people to talk them out of their money. Um, I had no qualms about taking from that person, but the knowledge that the true freedom that I could get was to, to, to wean myself from even wanting that bullshit, that kind of broke the stealing trend for me. Um, wow. Time's going fast. Mm -hmm. So I'll just say that even uh, now, sometimes I'll steal a toothbrush. I like to steal something every now and then to keep myself sharp. Um, <laughs> and they convince us that you can't get away with anything. I see people all the time that are like, oh, man, cameras are on me. I, I'd definitely be caught. And I'm like, you just only think that because they brainwashed you. That's one reason why I like to steal something every now and then is to remind myself, no matter what all those fucking signs say about smile, you're on camera. Turns out you're not actually on camera all the time. Sometimes there's not even a camera there. This is a psyops they're using against us. Doesn't mean that sometimes you're not on camera. It means that sometimes I like to remind myself that I've got more power than they want me to realize. And that's why every now and then I'll steal something like, usually it's a toothbrush. It used to be razors because they were ridiculously overpriced. Now they keep them in glass cases a lot. Hmm. They're harder to get. But Something small, something that doesn't matter. And again, I have the money there. I've got my story. So if I did get caught, but like Ter Ter Teresa gave those numbers, you know, it's pretty rare you get caught unless you're just really stupid about it. Teresa, since we're getting low on time, is there anything that uh, you want to make sure that we cover uh, since some of the stuff on our list is probably going to get bumped off? Um, I wanted to bring up, I guess, just uh, maybe two things. The first one I heard about on a podcast called Gover Government Secret. It's Anyway, if you listen to it, you'll get it. Um, they mentioned the term civil asset forfeiture. I think it's also referred to as um, civil judicial forfeiture or something. It's it's on the books as something that police and other law enforcement agencies like the FBI can actually seize the property of someone or someones even if they are not themselves a criminal. I'll give you a few examples. In Philadelphia, a home was seized from two sisters whose brother who didn't even live in the house, showed up while trying to evade the cops. They seized the house. Gone. Not, uh, even when people try to go to court to get the things back, they have made people sign over their property to 
like kind of say, you know, why don't you just give this up? It's a part of a criminal case. You're not going to win this lawsuit. And so people end up walking away from their stuff. Another example, um, in Tanaha, I think that's how it's pronounced, Texas, there was a police department in Texas that engaged in systemic practice of seizing cash and property from innocent drivers who had no evidence of wrongdoing. In Detroit, cops seized over 100 cars of patrons at an art event because an art gallery, the art gallery they were at for this event, didn't get a liquor license. It's also colloquially referred to as policing for profit. And from 2000 to 2020, over $68 billion worth of assets that we know of were seized from innocent people. Yeah, there's this uh, guy, Lee Camp, and he does you know, a couple of podcasts himself as well as a TV, I guess it's a TV show called Redacted Tonight. And he talked about 16 mind-blowing facts of the police. We covered these in a Police State, one of our former episodes. But one of them was that police actually steal more than burglars. When you add up all the stuff that people take, when police take from people uh, things that they have no right to and the people don't get those things returned, it far outweighs what burglars supposedly take. Um, so police are huge thieves. I've had this happen myself, you know, where police will confiscate some, something that has nothing to do with anything or they take apart my car, you know, and I can't they don't put it back together. Um, shit like that. And, you know, these examples you give. I think one of the, the bad parts of giving examples is sometimes it's easy to think that those examples are the only ones, and that's why you're giving the examples, that they stand out. You don't have to look far at all to find a thief. Hell, if you're listening to this, you are occupying stolen land right now, and you know damn well whoever sold it to you didn't come by it honestly, so it's kind of like the guy that, you know— jumps like as soon as you get out of your car and this happened to us when we visited uh, Hollywood Boulevard in California a guy came up to me and my friend had a stereo he'd just stolen out of another car and said hey man you want a stereo and my friend bought it you might say my friend shouldn't have bought it but is he so different than any of us occupying land right now we know that we're buying from a thief we're not trying to contact the tribe that used to inhabit that land and probably mm-hmm. still has ethical rights to it to ask hey is this okay so um, that whole ethical high ground about stealing, it's not as black and white as I used to think or a lot of people still think. Yeah, and I guess I'll add to that. I've been stolen from on several occasions, whether it's actual stuff stuff and things or my identity slash my bank account or credit cards, um, which is very surprising how people can do things. But you don't even have to have your credit card or bank card stolen There's these devices that, like, skim the numbers from your card when you go to a gas station, gas pump, or or some other place. And it sends the information back to the thieves, and they can program other cards that have a strip on the back, like an old gym membership or old library card or something. They can program your information into that card and then go buy stuff. That blew my mind. (laughs) But anyway... um, I guess it it led me down the path of thinking, yeah, it sucks when people steal things from me and when I have to worry about people stealing things from me. I still worry. I say, Gumby, are you going to lock the van? Because my stuff is in here. And I don't like that. I don't like that feeling. I still do it, 
but I'm looking for more of that feeling of, you know, if somebody took that, well, I'll come across it again. Or, oh, you know, it wasn't that special to me. It was just a thing. I've come to realize that whenever you have that feeling of worrying about somebody might steal your shit, uh, it's telling you two things. One thing is you've got too much. Yeah. And another thing is you are a slave to that shit. Yeah. If you, you know, like if you had the abilities to, you really had freedom, there's really nothing somebody could take from you that you couldn't easily replace or make again, that you have to worry that much about, that you kind of form your whole life on it. And, uh, you know, this is not being hypocritical. This is very true of both Teresa and I. Teresa's more of a stickler for a lock in the van than I am, but... I guess I'm just going on faith because it's not that I have less stuff. There's plenty of stuff in that van that if I came back and it was gone, you you damn right I'd be upset. But why would I be upset? It's because I'm still not free. It's because I'm still choosing the stuff over any meaningful freedom. I'm still clutching something as if there was any safety in that. A couple other things I want to say that I I stole real quick because, you know, I started racking my brain. I was thinking of all the uh, relationships I'd had with theft over the years, and that list got so long, I'm like, holy shit, I'm not going to be able to cover all this. But I did want to say that I stole a dog from a animal shelter one time. I had my mom go in and talk to the animal shelter guy and distract him, and I went in there and stuck this chocolate lab puppy in my coat. Um, Had that puppy for a number of years, named him Banjo, green-eyed chocolate lab, beautiful dog. And I had an ex-girlfriend that uh, her cat had gotten hit by a car, and I decided I was going to, like, surprise her. So I went to another animal shelter, found the cutest fuzzy little kitten, named her Chloe, stuck her in my jacket. (laughs) Walked out. So I am a animal trafficker, apparently. Oh, my God. And, you know, there's these gray areas, too. Like, we don't—Teresa and I don't steal— most of the time, I can't think of anything off the top of my head that I would say is like, oh, yeah, that was definitely theft. But there's gray areas. Like, if you go dumpster diving, I've had a cop show up before and tell me to leave the dumpster and told me that was theft. The grocery store sees that as stealing. Now, I looked at the cop and I said, now, tell me, I'm, I'm leaving. I'm not arguing with you. Do you think me taking what they've already thrown away is stealing? The cop couldn't back that up. He said, I'm just doing my job. Because he knew it was fucking insane. Um, Thrift stores. This is a thing that we uh, take advantage of, usually for something light, like a DVD or something to watch. But people, you know, often like when the thrift store closes early on a Sunday, that donation door, they will pile up a bunch of stuff because they came there to get rid of stuff. They're not going to carry it back home at the donation door. Now all I got to do is show up and say, I just dropped this stuff off or I dropped it off earlier and like, damn, my wife got rid of my favorite sweater. I'm trying to see if it's in here. You know, again, not a great story, but any story is better than no story. I've learned that again and again in my life. <laughs> Don't be caught speechless. Um, and yeah, sometimes I'll get a good pair of flip flops or whatever doing that. Mm-hmm. I got turned into onto that first time doing a houseless retreat where I was homeless for a week on the streets and I was cold and I was just walking the streets trying to stay warm because I couldn't sleep. Um, And I happened to stumble upon a thrift store, and I saw all this crap out back. And I'm like, wow, what is this? And then I realized what it was. It was stuff dropped off at the donation thing, and there was a great big warm blanket. And I was like, hell, they haven't accepted it yet. There's not a price tag on it. They don't even know they've got it yet. And somebody just wanted to get rid of it. So to me, it's kind of a, a gray area. So I had that blanket, and my God, it helped a lot. And honestly, like, again, even thrift stores, they get so much stuff because people have so much extra stuff. They not only have a garbage 
place, they have a trash compactor. They don't even have an open dumpster where somebody might be able to, you know, go in there and get it and use it. They don't want anybody to have that extra stuff. They throw it in the trash compactor and it goes off to a landfill and you never see it again. Mm -hmm. And if you're a forager or if you practice any kind of survival skills like uh, trapping at all just to see if you know how to do it, chances are you've broken a law. Um, It's called poaching, which is another word for stealing when you involve nature. Um, Where would you go? Maybe a park, you know, and they have signs all over the place. Don't remove any plants. So it might just be the mowed place of the park and dandelions are popping up and you want to, you know, healthy greens for your salad. Wrong person shows up there and wants to give you a hard time. They uh, can charge you with theft. Um, Or maybe it's an abandoned lot. Now you're risking trespassing. So, you know, just just to try to step away from the society at all, you become an outlaw. I'm lost and founds. Is this stealing? If I go into the laundromat and they've got this lost and found that nobody ever comes back and gets this shit. They, it's a chore for them to bag this and get rid of it. Um, if I go in there because I need a washcloth and I just go through their lost and found, here's a washcloth that somebody didn't want, I take it. Is that stealing? Why do they, a lot of these laundromat places, they hide their lost and found. I mean, like you said, most people aren't going to come back. If they really valued that, they would have double-checked the washer or dryer. Yeah, and a cool little sidebar. I lost my washcloth in the river like the day before (laughs) yesterday and did hit a couple laundromats looking through the lost and found and didn't have any luck. And uh, just yesterday, one day after I lost my washcloth, I'm walking through the woods and on this trail, just laying there like a gift from God, is this brand-new-looking washcloth. It even smells like laundry detergent. So I washed it in the river and lo and behold, you know what forces that be, all I needed to do is ask for it. There was only one thing on that path, and it was a washcloth. Praise Jesus. Praise Oscar. (laughs) Jesus, Oscar. A deity by any other name Mm -hmm. smells just as sweet. Um, And let's see, to wrap us up, I'm trying to look at my list here, make sure there's anything that I'm not going to kick myself too much about missing. Um, Well, one movie that I really liked was Captain Fantastic. I love the scene in there where, you know, the kids are getting hungry. They had just left their little place in the woods where they were living off the land. And he goes in the grocery store and um, the father fakes a heart attack. And while everybody's, you know, looking at him, the kids load up the carts and rush out into the parking lot. Um, That was kind of a clumsy thing because even in the movie, they kind of got caught. You know, the, the guy ends up figuring it out before they're out of there. But deflection, distraction, sleight of hand. Um, even the CIA studies sleight of hand techniques, mostly to poison people that we don't want, that we don't want to admit that we killed. Um, often diplomatically elected officials, you know, to get somebody in there that can destabilize the country so we can uh, profit from that destabilization. But the CIA is well versed in sleight of hand and the power of look over here, look over here, while the other hand is doing something else. Hell, it's politics. Politics 101. Distraction. So that also works for theft. Um, if you can create a good distraction. What was that movie with Sandra Bullock? She just got out of jail or prison. Oh, Ocean's Eleven, I think. And she had gone to prison and, you know, they take your clothes and give you a jumpsuit or whatever. So when she got out, she was dressed very finely, like a, a rich, elegant woman. And she went right through a department store, like a makeup counter, and she just knew how to pick things up quickly and then she marched right up to the cash register and said i would like to return these products they did not work for me (laughs) yeah i don't have a receipt but i would like cash back 
Mm-hmm. And that's how she that's how she ended up, you know, getting out of prison and having money to I can't even remember, like get a cab or or whatever, call somebody to come get her. Yeah, and we used to go to the hotels and get the continental breakfast and coffee in the morning when we had just slept in our car in the parking lot or van. I'm sure if a cop had showed up and they wanted to press charges, they could have got us for theft for that. But uh, a large part of our technique, again, was sort of the uh, deflection. You know, go up and talk to people, confidence. You know, we were using all this stuff. And, uh, you know, I don't want to knock it. You know, you don't want to tempt fate or get overconfident ever. But I will say that our record was good. We can't do that so much anymore because <laughs> of the pandemic. But We even had that one. There was like a, a Holiday Inn up in the northeast part of the United States, and it had a waitress that <laughs> she was oh, like yeah. going around to the tables and filling people's coffee and just asking to make sure if they needed anything. And we're like, actually, would you mind getting a picture of us? And we weren't even supposed to be there. So that was pretty sweet. So to close out for me, I want to uh, mention How to Steal Food from the Supermarket. It's the title of a book by J. Andrew Anderson, who used to be a security guard at a grocery store. And um, he started becoming really aware of how much the grocery store was charging people. Um, as he says in the book, and I'm not quoting him directly, but it's something like, when I started seeing hungry people outside that weren't eating enough and they were charging 20 bucks for a fucking da- bag of dog food, that's when I started realizing maybe I'm on the wrong side here. Hmm. So I'm going to write this book to tell you what I was looking for as for the thieves so you can circumvent it. <clears throat> and all the tips that he shared in that book, I had already learned, but they were good tips. I had learned from my own experience by the time I read that book. And that's one of the things that was exciting about it because I knew they worked. One was the confidence. One was the props. And he recommends a shopping list. <laughs> Nobody's expecting a thief to have a shopping list. So if you have a shopping list and that little creased look on your face, like, oh, crap, I'm, you know, the wife's got me looking for crap. I don't know where it is. I'm ready to be home. Like, oh, or what nowadays, is this? Nowadays, maybe looking at your smartphone because, you know, yeah, your, I carry your wife my, sent you a shopping list. I carry my iPad in the store sometimes. I don't actually haven't used it as a stealing prop. But, yeah, I could see how that could be the same thing. Um Try to take things out of the package when you can. Often if there is a device in there that's going to set off the alarms, it's in the packaging. And carry it to a different place. So let's say you want to steal, I don't know, what's something you'd need? Well, you were saying razors, but they're locked up now. But if they weren't. Yeah. I was trying to think of something. I was going to say deodorant, but you don't really need deodorant. All right, let's say deodorant. But, you know, you might take the package of deodorant, take it to another part of the store very subtly, um, Get it out of this package and put it in your pocket, not where you're standing. It, it's good to go somewhere else. Um, I'm not sure why that helps. Maybe it's just a, a further buffer, you know, from anybody that might be suspicious of you staring at the, the deodorant for five minutes. Um, and try to have emergency cash on you. If you get caught and you have some kind of story like, you know, it can even be that you were high. You were just at a party. You've been up all night. Oh, my God. I'm so sorry. This is so embarrassing. Um, I'll pay for it. Or? I've been having a really bad day. My mind was somewhere else. I totally forgot. Yeah. So, you know, have a little, little run, run a little con job. That can work. But, again, I want to encourage people not to. Um, it's, it's so much risk. We live in a culture that is a lot more concerned with their property than your fucking life. So if you take a little piece of their property, they are willing to ruin your life forever as punishment for taking a little piece of that property that's probably going to wind up in the fucking dumpster anyway. 
So the more powerful thing is to not need it. Deodorant, for instance, I didn't want to use that as an example because I find more power in not needing their fucking product. I don't use deodorant. Sometimes I stink. Fuck you. <laughs> That's your problem if I stink. No, fuck me. <laughs> <laughs> Later, honey. Oh. So, um, yeah, any final words as we're... We're leaving this, Teresa? Yeah, it is really like what your message is about stealing. I mean, there's obviously, you know, I guess there are times when people, whatever, do things like that. But I think it is a lot stronger to learn how to not need their shit. And remember, you know, this proud tradition of outlawry. Remember Robin Hood, stealing from the rich to give to the poor. Um, undermining the upper class and taking care of the lower class. Remember Pretty Boy Floyd, who's had that folk song written about him that so many people have performed. Um, I used to have a record collection. At least three different people had performed that song, Pretty Boy Floyd. And, uh, you know, he's not the only bank robber from early 1900s that was known to have robbed banks and then to have paid off people's mortgages, to have, like, hell, Al Capone. He fucking uh, gave away, like, free food. He was feeding the hungry in his neighborhood. So, you know, I just want to tip my hat to this proud tradition of the outlaws because it's not law against crime. It's global crime, protected crime for the people that least need it, that have already benefited greatly and just are greedy, fucking beady-eyed little vampires against the little crooks. So as for me, I side with the little crooks. I didn't even want to get into it, and I won't here, but uh, listeners, if you want to write in and tell me an example of how banks screw over the general public on a daily basis, it may surprise you to look that up. Or any thoughts of your own theft. Like, I enjoy talking <laughs> to people and debating with people whether you have stolen yourself and to hear your stories and what you've learned, or whether you are dead set against this. Uh, we were doing a survival overnight one time, and I had these two sets... Uh, this one guy who's like a well-to-do Baptist Christian, and um, I had these other two people who he mentioned in a podcast we just listened to that we uh, had done, um, The House That Peter Built, Christian Anarchists, and they happened to ask me with an earshot of the Baptist, what are your thoughts on stealing? You know, we're considering, like, when you're really poor, like, is there a time to steal? And I was kind of approaching that philosophically, and the well-to-do Baptist, of course, like anybody who's got too much shit jumped in there. It's always the people with too much that are deadly terrified that somebody's going to take just a little piece of it. Hmm. Um, jumped in there and was just like, oh, no, no, absolutely not. Like, you know, like if if I work for that and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, there was just this fierce debate between them. And, uh, you know, the magic of survival. Sooner or later, we just had to work on, you know, getting the fire going and building our shelter. And, you know, that, that debate was pretty unimportant by nightfall. Um but yeah, I, I like engaging with other points of view. So if you have a strong point of view um, for or against stealing, please write in. And is that it for us? Well, I got my listener right in, but as far as our topic? Yeah, I think so. All right. So I've got our good friend Tim from Maine. And Tim writes, me. yeah. He wrote in um, response to Black Magic, White Science, which was a two-part episode. Um Looks like face, and this is my main accent. Looks like Facebook let you out of Facebook jail. Parts <laughs> one and two were great. So thanks. I'm really glad you enjoyed uh, 
parts one and two of Black Magic, White Science, I really, you know, there's a few mistakes that when I listen back to, to it that I, uh, <laughs> in part two, I talk about when fish roamed the fields. That's one of my favorite mistakes. Um, but yeah, for the yeah. most part, I loved exploring that topic of all the things that we had a uh, dispute with, with science. Um, and yeah, Facebook jail. For a while, they had, uh, you know, like so many people, a lot of people, like I said, we're listening to a lot of other people's podcasts and from government secrets to uh, the propaganda report to uh, disaffected with Josh Slocum. There's a lot of people that are talking about getting censored. And a lot of people have wound up in Facebook jail for one reason or another. So, yeah, I was there for a while myself and not not quite sure why either, like so many people. Um, talking about stealing, they can steal your freedoms away. I got this quote from... Uh, freedomforuminstitute.org. It says, history tells us that if we're not aware of our freedoms, it's much easier to lose them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would add to that, like, if we're not aware of our slavery. <laughs> yeah. I wonder what freedom. I mean, that's such a relative word. Um, but I'll tell you, as somebody who sat in jail, it's definitely a sliding scale. If you think your slavery is uh, complete now, why do they lock your ass up? Mm. <laughs> there are many degrees. There, there are sub-basements to this prison. Um, so if you would like to contact us, questions, comments, stories, complaints, uh, sexy photos, um, you can contact us at www.escapingsociety.weebly, B as in burglary, mm-hmm. baldashery, and buggery.com. <laughs> um, we have a Facebook page, which we try to throw on random stuff um, on there. We just got this book that we're really excited about that was recommended. Um, we got turned on to through the propaganda report. And Teresa, can you tell us what that book is and who wrote it? Okay, it's called Government, the Biggest Scam in History Exposed. And it's by a guy that has a pen name of Etienne de la Boitie Squared. <laughs> and uh, we got the, the cheaper copy. Um, it looks interesting. There's there's some stuff in here I already don't necessarily agree with, but it looks hella interesting overall. Yeah, and it's really a cool uh, idea. He's got... I'm curious, Teresa. You've had a chance to look through this. What don't you agree with? Oh, there was something in there about going vegan. I was like, that didn't need to be in. I don't know what that is. No, pro-vegan? Yeah. Ah. All right, so. (laughs) Fuck you, vegan. (laughs) (laughs) Gotta influence this? Everything. Get out. (laughs) Go to Mars already. But he's got a great premise for this book. He wants to show visual learners how much all governments look alike, how much, like, the fascism in America looks like the fascism in uh nazi germany you know and it's a very visual book so i'm excited to leave through it myself um and uh we got a youtube channel we haven't put up a video in a while but um there's there's a lot of good information on there and is there anything else we got a donate button on our website the you know escaping society website so if you can make a contribution um we are always happy to take your money Um, it's not stealing because we're asking yeah yeah it keeps us from stealing so if you are anti-theft donate donate now before we have to take it so thank you and god i still feel like oh oh i almost got it it almost came back oh boy there was something i wanted to 
Well, give us a review. Yeah, if you're listening to this and you have been challenged, you have had a new thought because of this, you've learned anything, you've been entertained, um, and you're a cheap bastard and you're not even giving, a, giving us a donation, fair enough. I'm kind of a cheap bastard myself. Um, give us five stars, you know, like help us get out there a little bit more. Give us a review. Write us two sentences. I love it when uh, somebody writes us a review because every time I see a review, it's got a caveat like, I don't always agree with them, but... But anyway, I appreciate those too And I guess that's it I'm sure I'll think about what I forgot Afterwards, I always do But uh, see you later Oh, society sucks and we don't need it It's killing your kids, so why do you feed it? They'll tell you to stay, but you don't need to heed it You can give them the finger There's no time to linger So Thank you for listening to our song It's not very good and it went kind of long Don't care if you like it cause we'll be gone Over that next horizon We ain't got no address